Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsay Klein. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time, and your host of Buy the Books. Today, I have with me John DeLucci, who is a certified tax resolution specialist. You have over 15 years of experience helping people with their IRS issues, essentially, right? Is that yes, a fair yes. statement? That's a fair statement. So when you told me you, you did this, I told you you had to come on because this is, I think, a, a scary thing for a lot of people to imagine being in trouble with the IRS. And there's probably nothing scarier than getting that piece of mail and you see IRS or Internal Revenue Service, whatever it says at the top. Yes. And I would imagine for any business owner or anyone in general, you just get that panic feeling until you see what it is. Yeah, yeah. So you help people that are in these tough situations with the IRS, right? That's yes. what you do. That's what I specialize in. And so you told me today you want to talk about how to stay out of trouble with the IRS so you don't get those letters, right? Yes, Yes, okay. but I mean, it's possible you could get a letter and you're not in trouble either. Okay. Right? I mean, they okay. have a, an issue with a tax return. <clears throat> they want uh, some more information. So one one of the key things I, I tell people is always open your IRS mail. Well, that would be important, yes. Yes. Even though the IRS doesn't open their mail. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. But uh, it's it's a frequent thing that people come to my office with stacks of unopened IRS oh, wow. letters. And that works against you. Um, because wow. then you may lose out on deductions that they're asking questions about. You may have appeal rights on an mm. issue that you lose those appeal rights because you don't open the letter so you wait too long. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first thing. Then. That's first one of the first tip, things. Open I, your mail. Yes. Open your IRS mail. Okay. And you know, if uh, you open it, you look at it, you just can't make heads or tails out of it. Well, find somebody who does this type of work, mm-hmm. find a CPA or enrolled agent, have them read it and tell you what it means. Yes. <laughs> Good idea. So if someone comes to you with a stack of, of mail from the IRS, what, what, how do you break this down? How do you help? Well, that's, that's, a, that's a whole other conversation. I mean, that's getting into the how do you get out of trouble with the okay. IRS. Okay. So uh, you're trying to do a more proactive approach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What I want to talk about today is how to stay out of trouble okay. with the IRS. So what's your first tip? You know, one of my first tips is uh, hire a tax professional who has uh, as, uh, as much training as your hairstylist. Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds kind of okay. offbeat, but uh, to become a hairstylist, it requires 1,500 hours does of education. Does it really? Yes, it does. I did not know this. Yes, it does. Interesting. You, take a guess. How many hours of uh, training does it require to become a tax professional? Well, okay. So when you say tax professional, there's different levels to that. What do you yeah, mean? Do that's you mean true. a CPA? Well, a tax professional, there are many different types. Okay? Right. Um, for, for the purposes of this conversation, okay, let's say, uh, okay, tax lawyers are one type. Okay. okay? Uh, you have CPAs, you have enrolled agents, but then you also have the unlicensed okay. tax preparers. And, and those so are the ones that- you just somebody that's applied for, what is it, the PTIN or whatever it somebody, is? Somebody who is an unlicensed tax preparer. Okay. Well, I would think probably nothing is required for that. Is that right? Yeah, and that's that's a true statement. You know, you think about it, that's very odd because, you know, here are people that have, uh, they have not passed a test to prove mm-hmm. that they know what they're doing. They have no requirements for continuing education. 
Um, they could even be a felon. Oh, wow. And okay. they're doing tax returns, which could potentially have criminal ramifications for you. Ah. So when I see people on the street corner around tax time, usually somewhere around April 15th, and they've got their big signs like, yeah, I, I here would to our tax office. Keep on driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you want somebody who has some skin in the game, okay? okay? Enrolled agents, CPAs, attorneys have to pass a licensing exam. They have ongoing education requirements. They have skin in the game because if they do something really wrong, it could be their license. Mm, so it's licensed is the key there. That yes. They should have some kind of license. Yes. And the skin in the game being that if they if they really they mess, it, mess up, it up, they could lose their license. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. That's a good tip. I like that. And we have a whole episode, by the way, on how to choose. I forget how we named the episode, but I think it's how to choose a CPA. Mm-hmm. And, but it could be applied to an EA or anybody that you're you're looking for for preparing taxes. So somewhat less so for EAs because to become an enrolled agent, you have to pass an examination has three hundred questions on tax. Uh, for a CPA, there are if I recall, about 20 questions on taxation. The exam itself is about financial statements. So, mm. you know, when you're, when you're, you get a CPA, that person's very good at financial statements. Maybe they know something about tax. Okay. The, the, the exam itself does not confirm that. Now, if that person has a master's uh, degree in taxation, um, or they're also enrolled agent, then then you know they know something. Ah, okay, that's good. Now the the other way to do it is if a person is uh, has their own private business where they're doing tax returns for a living to pay their car payments, pay their mortgages. Okay, that pro that person probably has adequate tax knowledge too. Mm. But I wouldn't pick a CPA who is an internal accountant and does tax returns on the side for extra money. Ah, okay. Yeah. So even that CPA doesn't necessarily mean that they're good at tax returns. Correct. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Good tips. Yeah. All right. What else do you got? How else do we stay out of trouble with the IRS? Well, don't hire a tax professional from a TV advertisement. That's a good one really? too. Does that inherently, just because you're on TV, make you bad at taxes? <laughs> as, as a general rule, those firms are owned by uh, non-licensed individuals. Okay, They're not enrolled agents, they're not attorneys, they're not CPAs. So if they're doing things that are unethical or wrong, there's no blowback on them. Mm. Now, there, w- there would be for the enrolled agent or CPA who's involved... That person might lose their license, but there's nothing for the company itself. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'll give you an example. There was a company I, I worked for a long time ago. They were called Ameristar. And they had ads nationwide talking about their uh, their CPAs with master's degrees in taxation. Well, everybody on the resolution staff knew everybody else. There was only one CPA on the staff and he did not have a master's degree in taxation. So basically, they were a- false <clears throat> advertising, it sounds like, right? Yeah. They were saying something that l- literally was not true. Yeah. Yeah, nationwide. And the, the joke amongst us on the resolution staff was that they were talking about my wife, who didn't work for that company because she had a master's degree in taxation. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. So that gives you a sense for it. And that's very common. So it's not even, you can't even trust what they're telling you. You've really got to do no. your own research. Yeah. My, my recommendation would be only hire somebody locally that you can meet. 
Mm. Okay, you could get you could find local references. You get, you get to meet with the person, get a sense for is that somebody you think you can trust? And how do you verify education? Is there a way to do that? To verify they actually had the taxation master's degree that they're advertising? Well, they uh, they they probably have something on the wall of their office uh, that uh, shows that degree. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's good to know. Good tips. What else you got? Well, the other thing is uh, definitely hire a tax professional. There, there are a lot of smaller businesses who think that they're going to save the money, uh, not hire a, a CPA or an old agent uh, because of what it costs. Well, Nine times out of ten, they, they save you more money than they cost you. Mm. So it's really penny-wise, pound-foolish to not have a tax professional that you can consult with on a regular basis because a lot of transactions have tax implications. And if you're unaware of them, well, you could do something that's going to cost you a lot of money. That's true. Do you have any examples where you've seen people try to do it themselves and then they come to you maybe after they've done it for a while themselves and found – Issues that actually ended up costing them money. Have you had any examples of that? Well, the one that happens most often is when somebody uh, uh, pulls money out of their retirement and uses that to fund their business, and have, having no idea how much it's going to cost them. So, oh, yeah, I guess I got to pay some taxes, but you don't know how much. And uh, a lot of them don't realize there's a penalty for pulling it out early. So you get yeah. that 10% penalty too. So you're taxed on the money itself, and then of course you have then to pay you have the, the penalty, penalty of ten percent. I think it is. Yes, yes. Yeah, that can get very costly. Yeah. Okay. So having a tax preparer that can actually advise on before you do this, and I will say this too: tax preparers are not mind readers. So even if you hire one, you have to communicate things yes, to them. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'd, I'd recommend meeting that person at least quarterly. Uh, you know, just saying, okay, here's what's going on with the business. Here's what I'm thinking about doing. I mean, any type of financial transactions, you should be discussing them with your tax professional. Yes. I actually had this come up the other day um, with a mutual client. The CPA and I were discussing an issue that had come up with this client mm-hmm. um, and partly created by okay. their change in tax status, moving from being a partnership to an S-corp, which created some complications and they had not consulted the CPA prior to doing it. They just did it. Yes. And so things like that are super important to talk to your tax professional about because, you know, and the tax professional may not say, no, don't do it, but they may say you might want to wait until these milestones or these events happen before you make that switch because it could cause some ramifications you weren't aware of. Yeah, or they could make recommendations on how to do it. Yes. Like, don't do it like that. Let's do that like this. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and that could, uh, that can Yes, be yeah. So definitely, and I've seen, you know, in that particular instance, I won't get into the minutia of it, but it did cause some some complications that the CPA could have made them aware of prior to doing it had he known. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I would say just add that little tack. Not only hire one, but communicate. Yes, with them. at least <laughs> at least quarterly. I mean, monthly's better, of course. But or at least in, quarterly. you know, before you make any big purchase, mm-hmm. before you make any certainly before you make any kind of stack tax status change, just any major event, talk to them in advance. Yeah, I would say on top of the quarterly meeting. Yes, yes, yes exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, this is good stuff. What else do you got? Well, for self-employed individuals, uh, it's important to, I would say at least once a month, be thinking, okay, so how much taxes should I pay? Because people think that, 
well, I only have to do that quarterly, right? Because you have your quarterly 941s mm -hmm. and, and um, you only have to pay uh, your self-employment taxes and, and your income taxes uh, quarterly. That's the minimum requirement. Right. Okay. Right. It is a very common thing for people to get to the end of the quarter, calculate how much they have to pay and say, oh, I don't have that much yes. money. Okay. So maybe instead of uh, taking that trip to Bermuda... <laughs> You know, stop and consider. Think of your taxes like a car payment. Okay, every month mm. uh, that you uh, you know you, you sit down with someone, you you get it calculated and and pay your taxes. Mm. Now, for some of my clients, I say even even more often. Okay, let's just keep it simple. Every time you get paid, turn around and write a check for the taxes. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I've actually mentioned that on here before. Like you said, the the quarterly requirement is just that's the deadline that doesn't mean that's the only time you pay it yeah and yeah. you could even do weekly just like you know you would if you had a weekly payroll pay something in and as you said every time you get paid pay yes. something in go ahead and deposit it and then yeah. it's an as-you-go system especially in a tax resolution situation because the first thing that's most important is that uh, the bleeding is stopped mm. right they want to see total compliance with all of your returns filed, with uh, you paying your taxes currently. And it sounds, it may sound strange, but, you know, paying, uh, paying once a quarter, right? Well, that's four acts of compliance. So, but if you're paying monthly, that's 12 acts of compliance. So uh, it's the same amount of money, but it looks better for an IRS agent. That makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. And I think that I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but if the IRS is seeing consistency and even paying early, I would think they would look more favorably and maybe be a little bit more lenient in those situations. Yeah, that's true. They are a bit more flexible when they see how compliant you've become. Because okay. the most important thing is that the bleeding has stopped. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, good to know. So in light of that, uh, there's a tool on the IRS website. It's called the IRS Withholdings Calculator. Oh, interesting. Okay, and uh, it'll it'll work for uh, for people who have W two jobs or self employed or a combination of the two, and so that's some that's a tool you can use to get a sense for okay, how much should I be paying? Mm. Now, if you have any difficulties with the tool, then of course you could uh, hire an EA or CPA to help you with that. If you have a, a larger business, you're not self employed. You know, then you'd want to be working with your EA or CPA to uh, figure out what it should be. But I would still say pay monthly. Yeah, that's that's a good tip. And at the end of the day, even if you overpay it, you can get that money back when you file your return. So it's it's that's, not horrible, right? I get <laughs> I get people's objection there with don't give the the government a interest free loan. So yeah. it's not ideal. Yeah, but it's not like you lose that money forever if you miscalculate and overpay it. Well, that depends. Really? You're going to tell me that's not true? It's, it's true for people who don't owe their IRS any money. Oh, gotcha. That I've had a number of okay. clients who, before they were clients of mine, they, um, and they owed money to the IRS, they would overpay. And sometimes the tune of five, six, in one case, $10,000. Okay. But they owed money to the IRS, so they don't get that money. Oh, I see. So what the IRS will do is take that refund, and instead of and paying it back, it the they balance. apply it to your, your back balance from prior years. Yeah, yeah. I see. So better to follow the same policy of trying to figure out what your taxes should be for the year and come as close to paying those as, as possible okay. because you know let's say it's it's five thousand dollars right 
Well, then at the end of the year, you have that five thousand dollars. You have the choice to pay on your back balance,、mm. or you know potentially there's a medical treatment for a family member or something else that's more important at the time. You have the flexibility to make the decision what's more important to do.、Mm, that makes sense. Now, let's say you do have, and maybe this is a different episode. I don't know. Maybe I'm not、uh, sticking in the lane here. But if you do have a situation where you owe money to the IRS, how flexible and negotiable is that? You mean as far as the uh, uh, getting like, getting a, a deal? Will they negotiate? Yeah. Well, I'll speak to that briefly.、Can. It's it's you were diverging from the topic. I know, bit, I, I did, I'll, didn't I'll, I? Yes, we have to do another episode naughty, on that. Naughty girl. <laughs>、um, but I'll 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 talk on that briefly. Okay. okay.、Uh, the offering compromise program. What that's about is、uh, when the IRS realizes that you cannot full pay the taxes you owe within the ten year collection statute, then they're willing to consider an offer. Okay. And that offer amount is largely based on a calculation of how much equity you have in assets. Okay, so if you've got a hundred thousand of equity in、uh, in in your house and you owe fifty thousand dollars, no, they're not going to. Oh, interesting. They're not going to work、so、a deal. So it's going to be kind of it sounds largely based on your situation, your your financial situation. Yes,、okay. yes. And if you're making high income, yeah, they're probably they're not, not going to agree. To, okay,、yeah. I see. Yeah, All right. The, well, that's the, good to know. Yeah, the so, offer program essentially it's very good for people who just cannot in any way pay the taxes. Okay, okay, that makes sense. All right. So what what other advice do you have for people that want to stay out of trouble and not get the, in that situation to begin with? Yeah. Well, keep your、uh, uh, have separate bank accounts if you have a business.、Okay? Yes. Have separate bank accounts for business、yes. from personal. And I don't approve this message. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I preach that often. Yeah, and I see、uh, on a regular basis what happens when、yes. people don't do that.、Uh, it upsets the IRS agent. They assume that you're trying to hide stuff, and they dig deeper. Okay, so I want you to to land on that for a while and talk about that because I definitely preach this often in a lot of different episodes about how you need to keep that separate. But explain it. From seeing it from the IRS side and what they do when they see the situation happening, what have you seen? Well, when you do that, you're making their job harder. Okay, they have to. It becomes a lot and more. And the bookkeeper's job harder too. <laughs> well, but there's a difference there. There's a difference there. Okay, okay see, if, if, if the job is harder for you, okay, uh huh, you get to bill more money. See, if you're an IRS agent, the job just became harder for you, and you don't get paid any more money. <laughs> So it's it's frustrating and upsetting for them. So、mm -hmm. now they're going to potentially take it out on you,、mm. and that, that that spans the spectrum. Okay, with offers,、um, you know, we try to make sure that what we're proposing and and, and the corroboration details are so clear that it's obvious.、Mm. Same thing with revenue officers. I、uh, I know、uh, an ex revenue officer. He actually used to wear a button when he'd go out to meet clients, and and what it said was "piss me off, pay the consequences." <laughs> Oh boy, that would be fun if your IRS auditor comes in with that button. Well, you、Gosh. know, yeah, and 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 you'll you'll see that side if you do a lot of mixing of your transactions、oh, between business、yeah. and personal because they're not getting paid any more money. They're、mm. overworked. They're underpaid, and you just chose to make their job harder, and they're not getting paid more money. It's human nature. They're not going to like it. Yeah, no, I get that, and I, on my side, I don't like to see it either. It, it does make things a lot more complicated than they have to be. 
Yes, yes. So in those instances where there has been that commingling and the auditor is realizing their job just got a lot harder. Yeah. Do they ask for additional documentation? Do they ask a lot more questions? What is it that you see that they drill down on more so because of that situation? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for example, if they came to audit the business and they see uh, mixing of transactions, okay, now they're going to ask for all your personal bank statements too. Mm. So the job just got bigger. Yes. And so does that then open up the the business owner personally for potential tax liability that may have not otherwise been there? Yes. Okay, so if they find that the business owner personally didn't file their taxes correctly, that could basically be brought into the picture where it wasn't before? That's correct. Interesting. Okay. Yep, it opens up a whole can of worms. Yes, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. What other complications have you seen that have occurred because of the commingling? Well, that's that's essentially it. Okay. Yeah. Well, and as you mentioned earlier, on just from the bookkeeper and the tax preparer side of things, it gets more expensive. And that's what business owners well, often there, don't realize. That's true as well. Okay. Yes. That's true as well. So yes. you pay your bookkeeper more money. Yes. And uh, and then you potentially are paying your tax resolution specialist more money too. Ah, oh, that's a good point. Yes. That's one thing that I have learned to ask prospective clients, <clears throat> which I did not put a lot of emphasis on when I first started mm-hmm. my business. And so now whenever someone's interested in bookkeeping services, I've realized I've got to drill down on that more so that they understand if you've commingled personal and business, that's a lot more work and therefore more money. Yes, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yes. That honestly was very unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, please, I, I keep preaching this, but I'm going to sound like a broken record probably for the rest of my life. Keep it separate. Very, very separate. Yeah. I mean, it almost goes without mentioning, but credit cards too. You know, yes. have a business yes. credit card and have a personal credit yes. card and don't mix the don't charges. Mix them. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I even go so far. I'm very, very particular about this with my own business. So if I go to, you know, an office supply store or something and I'm buying personal items and business items, I'm doing them as two separate transactions mm-hmm. on two separate receipts paid yep. with two separate accounts. Business account for a business and for the business stuff and personal account for the personal stuff. So I'm very big on that. Absolutely. So I'm glad you brought that up. Good. It's always good, hear, good to hear from different perspectives. Yeah. Uh, another one is uh, always file your tax return on time. And the reason why is because the failure to file penalty is 10 Steve. times what the failure to pay penalty is. Interesting. So even if you're not ready and you don't have all your ducks in a row, just go ahead and file something and amend it? Yeah, file. It needs to at least be a very good approximation. Okay. Okay, then you could amend it. Um, But what I'm really getting at is, you know, if you want to know what upsets the IRS. Not filing. Yeah, not filing is the big one, okay? If you're in in an installment agreement for a past balance, the failure to pay penalty is 0.5%. Per month, um, no, it's point no point five percent. Yeah, no, per month, point five percent per month. But failure to file penalty, it's five percent per month. Oh wow! So yeah. it jumps up tenfold. Yeah, yeah. Now it tops out at twenty five percent, but that's a huge penalty for you know you when you could have just simply filed yes. a return. 
And I've seen these situations happen with some of my clients where, you know, tax deadline is approaching quickly. They Mm -hmm. don't have all their ducks in a row yet. There's still things they're working on or documents they're trying to get. And the discussions start happening about, well, do we just file with what we have Mm -hmm. or do we wait and make sure everything's perfect and then file it when it's all done? So you're definitely, it sounds like on the side of go ahead and file. File with what you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it needs to be a good approximation. Okay, relatively accurate, and then you can file a minimum return. You don't want to just simply file something. Okay, has to at least be a good faith effort. But okay. you know, just find the time to make a right. good faith effort. Right. And I mean, I had a person who, uh, before he was a client of mine, right? He had a CPA do his tax return, and there was confusion as to who was actually filing it. Okay. Oh no. Yeah, he thought that uh, he thought that they were filing it, and they just handed him a copy and said, "Here, go file this." And he didn't oh, remember no. that. Yeah, he was a developer, and uh, he owed $100,000 for that year. So welcome to the land of a $25,000 penalty <sighs> for just not getting it filed. Oh, no. Yeah. So, And that just goes back to the logistics of who was supposed to put it in the mailbox. Basically, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So make sure you are clear on who's actually going to send it to the IRS. And when you send it, always use certified mail with... Mm. Uh, Either regular return receipt or we prefer electronic return receipt because you're more likely to get a signature. Mm. Yeah, because if you you file it regular mail and somehow it, they don't get it, right, or it gets lost in their right. mail room, you know, saying, well, no, I filed it doesn't get you anywhere oh, because you yeah. have no proof. That makes sense. you got to have some kind of signature proof. You have to, some uh, tracking. You have, to have proof that you, you sent it. Uh, the certified mail is required. We like the electronic return receipt as conference, so we know they got it. Right. But the key thing is certified mail to know that you to prove that you sent it on time, mm. because the law says timely mailing is timely filing. So, you know, if in 1955 you you file your return on time and you've got certified mail to prove it, if it doesn't show up until 2020, you're still you filed yeah. on time as far right. as the law is concerned. Interesting. Okay, that's good to know. Now, I would think ideally you would e-file. Is that better in your mind than sending it through the mail? Well, definitely. Okay. okay. If you if you're hiring a tax professional, then almost always they're going to e-file it. You know, some of the older practitioners may not, but okay. uh, as a general rule, they will e-file it. But if you're doing it yourself, okay? Um, most tools allow you to e-file. But, you know, for example, if you can't figure it out, you know, and then you mail it in, okay? Just um, get something where you can prove you mailed it. Yes. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. And from a practitioner, you know, consider getting a copy of the, uh, of the e-file confirmation. So now you have, you, you have the proof yes. that it was filed in time. What if that practitioner goes out of business? Those records aren't available anymore, and you need mm. to prove you filed something on time. Yeah, that's good. Make sure that even, even if you have a tax professional, that you have a copy. Yes, Okay, yes. that's good advice. I yeah. like that. What else you got for us? Well, uh, if you can't fund your payroll tax, fire your employees. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So basically you're saying you can't afford them. Basically, yeah. You see, the thing of it is, is that there are people, quite a number of people who think, well, it's a company tax. So you know, if the company goes out of business, well, then I don't owe that. I had a client uh, who did this. He he thought he was doing the right thing by paying his vendors, um, because when you know when the corporation was going out of business, which he knew it was going out of business, he thought, well, it's a company tax, so I don't you know I don't have to worry about it. 
And no, that's not true. Uh, payroll tax that carries personal liability to it. About does two, it really? About two thirds of the payroll taxes uh, become you become personally liable for. I those. did not know that. Yes, interesting. And you cannot get rid of it with bankruptcy. You still owe it. Wow. So bankruptcy does not eliminate payroll tax. No, and it does even not. Even if the business folds and goes into bankruptcy or goes out of business. You still owe those taxes. The owner still owes it. Wow. Yes. Okay. And the so other tip was... I'd, I'd have for payroll taxes is don't borrow from the IRS to, uh, uh, you know, so with regards to your payroll taxes. Like some people, they don't make their tax deposits and they're thinking, well, okay, I can just use that money to keep my business afloat. Well, here's the downside. The tax deposit penalties are absolutely huge. Mm. Um, for example, you pay one week late, it's a 10% penalty. Whew. Let's say you get in a pattern of paying one week late like throughout the year. That ends up being a 500% penalty. Wow. Credit card rates are dirt cheap as compared to what the IRS is charging for tax deposit penalties. Wow. So it'd be better to rack up the credit Find card debt. Find the money someplace else. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Who would have thought the credit card uh, merchants would actually look better than the IRS? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not immediately obvious, is it? Yeah. No. No, it's not. And, and on the face value, you think about, okay, well, 10% credit card rates are oftentimes upwards of 20 30 but that's an annual rate. Yeah, it's a lot less than the... Uh, with the uh, IRS charges for tax deposit penalties. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, good to know. Good tips. Yeah. And further that, when we're talking about payroll, I'd always recommend use a major payroll company. Mm. It, is a, uh, it, it happens more often than it should when people use a, a small payroll company. I wouldn't say that. It doesn't happen all the time, and I wouldn't say it's common. But I, I do hear about uh, cases where that small payroll company decides to take the money and go to Brazil. Yeah. They don't send it to the IRS. So now yeah. you're out the money, yep. but you still, still owe are the liable. payroll taxes. So you effectively have to pay it twice. You pick a large firm, that's not going to happen. Yeah. They have insurance to cover that situation. So if some errant employee disappears to Brazil with a bunch of money, they have insurance to cover that situation. That makes sense. I actually had Jeffrey Gonzalez with Pay Entry on recently to talk about oh, how okay. to pick a payroll company. And we, we talked about that very situation, how um, often those small rinky-dink payroll companies that maybe aren't so reputable, they take the money for the taxes from the client, but yeah. then never remit it to the IRS or whatever government entity it's supposed to go to. It happens. So you have to be careful because the IRS, and you correct me if I'm wrong, they're not going to look on that situation and say, oh, okay, you paid the, the company? Well, then we'll go after them instead. I'm thinking they don't do that. No, those that company doesn't know the payroll taxes you do. Yeah. Um, now they could go after them, but that doesn't change. That doesn't take the problem away from, from the, the taxpayer. The owner. Yeah, the only thing that situation uh, would help you with is getting out of penalties because there'd be oh. penalties involved. But if you did the right thing by trying to pay your payroll taxes, you could get penalty abatement for the penalties. Okay, but if the if that company, that payroll company, never were to pay the money back, the business owner still, still owes, owes the, the IRS. payroll taxes. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's good to know. So make sure your payroll company is a reputable one. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good tip. Have a separate bank account for paying the IRS. Oh, interesting. Why is that? Well, if you don't, then what can happen is that some check comes through that you forgot about 
takes the money that was just about to be sent to the IRS. Now you just bounce the check to the IRS. Ah, okay. So basically it's for the purpose of setting aside money designated for taxes to exactly. make sure that it's there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And particularly if you're in an installment plan, in a resolution situation, it's it's even more important because you're trying to show compliance. The last thing you want to do is bounce a check to the IRS. Mm. So better to just create a separate account uh, you only it's only for paying the IRS. You put the money there necessary, and uh, you always have enough money to make your your payroll uh, your installment agreement payments. So I've heard of the IRS freezing accounts. Can they only freeze the accounts that you provide to them, whatever account number you gave to them, or can they freeze any account that's associated with you? Well, let's first talk about freezing. Okay. Because the terminology is uh, is a little off in okay. that the IRS does not freeze accounts. Okay. Okay. Uh, the state will freeze an account. Gotcha. The, the IRS will levy the account. Now, here's the difference. Okay. With a freeze, every money, every any amount of money that's in the account and any money that goes into the account belongs to the, uh, that taxing agency. Okay. So until the taxes are full paid, whatever goes into that account goes to that taxing agency. Gotcha. Okay, okay. So the state does that. The IRS levies. Now, what that means is that when they send a levy to the bank, whatever money is in the bank account at the time, they get that. Ah. But you could deposit a million dollars the day after a levy and nothing happens. Oh, interesting. Okay, I didn't realize this. Yeah. So it's not truly a freeze then. It's not a freeze, it's a levy. The, okay. the two are a little bit different. I see. So yeah. I guess then levy. Can they levy mm. a bank account that you've never provided to the IRS? They can find most of your bank accounts because keep in mind, okay. and, and the key thing is, is that account interest-bearing? Because if it is interest-bearing, they're going to send a 1099 to the IRS so they know where your bank accounts are. Ah, okay. If it's a non-interest-bearing account, they can find it if they go looking, Okay. but it's it's harder. Okay, but they still have the authority to you, levy it. If you owe money to the IRS, they have the authority to levy it. Okay. Now, there's a series of notices they have to send out first. It's not just, oh, you owe money, now they're going to start taking collection action. Gotcha. They send you a bunch of warning letters first, and then eventually they send out the final notice of intent to levy. And if you ignore that one, well, 30 days after the date on that letter, yes, they can start taking ah, things. Gotcha. Okay, good to know. It's a good warning. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. What other tips do you have for staying out of trouble with the IRS? Well, similar to uh, always open your IRS mail is make sure the IRS always knows where you live. Because mm -hmm. if they don't have the correct address for you, then they're sending the mail to the wrong place. And you could you be losing out on appeal rights or uh, issues with tax returns. So you lose out on deductions. That's a good point. Yeah. Now, if you're filing your tax return every year, pretty much they know. But if you move in the middle of the year, well, then they don't. So how would you go about updating that? There's a form 8822. You can get it off it's the IRS website. website. Yeah. Okay. And then you just fill it out, send it in. Now they know where your address is. Ah, okay. Yeah. I've heard there was a lot of trouble with all of these um, payments that were being made the last couple of years during the pandemic with people changing bank accounts and the bank account that the IRS had on file was no longer a good bank account. So is that something else you should update if you change bank accounts? Is there a way to do that? You you can. You can. If you change bank accounts, but you're going to have to, uh, you, you would have to put in a different arrangement with the IRS, okay? So, you know, you submit a form to do an installment agreement, you'd have to submit an updated form 
for the same installment agreement with the the bank account number changed. So in the case that's happened with a lot of people that didn't get their stimulus check or whatever they were supposed to get from the IRS, they may have not had any kind of installment payment arrangement set up. So in those instances, is it just you just update it every time you pay your your annual or get a refund for your annual income return or when when you submit your tax return okay you you can submit the bank account information right okay um and if if they don't have that they're just going to mail you the check okay which is another argument argument for make sure they know where you live right 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 exactly so as long as they have your address you should eventually get it yes if they owe you something yes okay that makes sense all right what else do you got if you meet an irs agent if one of them approaches you, what you want to say to them is, I need time to find representation. Mm. Don't say anything else because everything you say can and will be used against you. That's good. Yes. Now, this mostly applies to revenue officers, although it could apply to revenue agents. Revenue agents are the ones who do the audits. Okay. Revenue officers, they're basically Guido for the IRS. If you uh. owe money, they come to collect. But then there's also the criminal investigation division. It applies even more for oh, those wow. folks. And there was wow. a person who was a client of mine before she became a client of mine. She had a couple of uh, criminal investigation officers come and talk to her. And as a result of her not saying, I need time for representation, she now has a stay at Club Fed. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if she had just said, I need time to find representation, and then got a got an attorney to represent her in that situation, uh, I think chances are good that she would not have uh, oh, wow. would not have been convicted. Okay. That's good to know. That's a good tip. All right. Anything else that you feel business owners especially should know about staying out of trouble with the IRS? Be very careful about what you say. Okay. If you're dealing with them directly. Um, because they, they take notes and that could come back. And, you know, for example, if you give them financial information and then somehow it changes later, okay, uh, you, you could potentially be dealing with the, okay, so were you lying to me then or are you lying uh. to me now? I mean, depending on what changes. If, if there's an explanation for why it changes, then, yeah, you know, that makes sense and, that, and that's fine. If there isn't a, a logical explanation for why it changes, you know, just saying, oh, oops, I forgot this, uh, that, that may cause a problem. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you an example of uh, some of the, you know, as far as like, you know, being careful what you say and, and also really having a representative. I, I had a client, I call him, let's call him Mr. Alligator Lawns, okay? He, uh, he does landscaping. Okay. And initially he decided to handle the situation himself. So, you know, he's talking with the IRS agent, he gave the financial information, and the numbers came out bad. They, they came out ridiculous as far as what the IRS was saying he could afford to pay. And he's sitting there thinking, wait a minute, I'm a single parent, I got three kids, you got to be kidding me. Mm. And so I, I got involved with the situation. I, I talked, with the, uh, talked to the IRS agent first, and uh, the IRS agent said, well, he doesn't have a car, okay, so he doesn't have that expense. And so I, I, I talked to them. I said, well, why did, you, why did you tell them that you don't have a car? I said, because I don't have a car. I have a truck. And oh, so, no. Yeah, he missed, he missed out on those expenses. Of course, we got it fixed, but that's just an example of, you know, you're talking to the IRS agent. You don't know what the parameters are. You, you know, the, the agent asks you, do you have a car? You say no. <laughs> 
So I was going to say maybe you should say as little as possible, but it sounds like in this case he should have added a few more details there. Yeah, the better recommendation is to you know hire a professional uh, to handle it that for knows you. What to say? Yeah, yeah. I had a very entertaining conversation with that IRS agent. He said, "Well, he doesn't have a car," and I said, "Okay, so help me understand this, sir. Uh, he's a landscaper. How does how does he get his his mowers?" to there if he doesn't have some sort of vehicle. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. And the answer I got back from the IRS agent was, well, I don't know. (laughs) Okay. That's good to know. All right. So, and then you help people with this, right? This is what you do. That's precisely what I do. Okay. So you're talking to the IRS all the time. Yes. Okay. On an almost daily basis. Okay. So you're very familiar with how they operate and yes. the tactics. Yes, okay. So I am. if somebody wanted to get your help with this situation, where could they find you? How can they reach you? Well, we're located in Capel. Okay. Um, of course, there's our website, uh, delucci.com. That's D I L U C C I.com. Uh, or just call 844 Stop IRS. That goes straight to my cell oh, phone. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. 844-STOP-IRS. That's easy to remember. It is. It is. (laughs) That's great. Okay. Good to know. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I think these are great tips for for anyone that wants to stay out of trouble with the IRS. And we'll have to do another one sometime about how to actually, when you are in trouble, how to negotiate with the IRS. I think that would be a good topic as well. Absolutely. All right. Let's do it. Okay. All right, and I'm Lindsay Klein with Sakline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. You can email us at info at sakline.com, and our website is sakline.com, S A K L I N E.com. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Until next time, have a great week. By the Books is presented by Sakline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. For more information on Sakline services or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit sakline.com or email info at sakline.com. The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Sakline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.